You're listening to Gridiron Guys, the Central Michigan Life Sports Desk podcast on the CMU football team and other matters concerning the college football landscape. Hello and welcome. My name is Taylor DeSormo. I'm the sports editor at Central Michigan Life. I'm here with Dominic Mastrangelo, who is one of the beat writers for this football team. So Dom just got back from practice, uh, from football practice. What are some of the storylines already, Dom? Oh boy, uh, there's plenty of them. It was a crazy week um, last week, and it really led up to what ended up being an, an extremely entertaining game in the Carrier Dome on Saturday against Syracuse. The CMU lost in overtime, um, but it was by far the best performance that we've seen out of quarterback Cooper Rush this season, and that's saying something because he's been on a steady incline recently. So as for what happened on the field um, in the comeback, the 14-point comeback that CMU was able to put together in, that se- in the second half of that game, that was the main storyline on the field. Um, off the field, there's been a little bit of controversy, too. Um, he got his first start of the year. Uh, Mitch Stanajek did, a linebacker on the CMU football team. Um, but it didn't last long because he was ejected from the game in the first half on an illegal hit to the head of the quarterback, Eric Dungey, who was forced out of the game with what they aren't confirming to be a concussion, but it is an upper body injury. And uh, it's pretty much common knowledge that that's what happened. Uh, now, yesterday after practice, uh, Mitch... Uh, he gave a formal apology for the hit. Um, I understand that Coach Bonamigo, uh, head coach for the Chippewas, uh, reached out to Scott Schaefer, the head coach at SU, to further apologize um, for the incident. Um, you know, it can be debated whether or not um, there was any intent there to do, you know, to, to, to hit him. But there definitely, at least from my perspective, uh, wasn't any intent to do any kind of harm to someone. I mean, everyone knows how serious concussions are, and um, and that was sort of an ugly moment for for everyone involved. Um, moving forward, you know, it, it's going to be interesting because this team has its biggest test of the year yet uh, with Michigan State on the schedule uh, this, this Saturday. The Chippewas head down to East Lansing, and they'll be slightly banged up. Uh, defensive end and junior Joe Ostman, his, uh, his playing status is still uncertain, it sounds like. Pretty much doubtful, though. Um, he was in a boot all of last week and didn't travel with the team to Syracuse. Uh, thankfully, Blake Serpa, uh, the, the guy at the other end of the defensive line, um, the other defensive end, he's been he's been playing well. He had a sack in the Syracuse game. So um, running back Mar- Martez Walker, who didn't start against Syracuse, um, was banged up in the opener against Oklahoma State. Um, he seems to be doing much better, according to Bonamigo, and should see some action in East Lansing this weekend. So um, a lot going on with the team, and uh, really it, it needs to uh, – <laughs> the thing that I keep saying is that the team really needs to get its house in order here in the non- at the end of the non-conference schedule because conference play starts really soon. Yes, for sure. And for those those of you living under a rock, MSU will host the Chippewas this weekend at noon. It'll be on the Big Ten Network, but I'm sure most many Chippewas will be in East Lansing for that game. So that'll be an interesting one. We'll get to more of that in a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about last weekend with a 30-27 to overtime loss to Syracuse. Um, obviously, a big play you talked about was Stanizek's hit on Eric Dungy, who went out for the game. Basically, Syracuse had to rely on their third and fourth string guys for the majority of the game. So are you impressed with CMU's comeback, or is that kind of a fluke considering that the defense really didn't have to stop much in a third and fourth string quarterback? The comeback was pretty impressive, and it was a very different situation that CMU found itself in as opposed to the opener where it got down early, um, but then really sort of hung around from the majority, for the majority of the game. I would say towards the end of the first half when you know there were some penalties on CMU's part and just some, some kind of boneheaded mistakes that it started to feel like, wow, you know, yes, SU is without their, their starting quarterback, but this might get out of hand in the second half. 
But on their first two drives of the second half, CMU came out led by Cooper Rush, who just was remarkable in his ability to check down to receivers in short yeah. passing situations. Like Spalding. Mm-hmm. And like Devon Spalding, Ben McCord was a huge weapon for him. Um, and CMU really, from the beginning of the second half, made it made it known that they weren't going to go down quietly. So the impressive nature of the comeback is something that I think CMU needs to uh, try to channel this weekend from the beginning of the game against Michigan State. Yeah, definitely. I think if you look at that second half, you see the Chippewas drive down the field and score in a long drive. Then they drive down again, but then they turn it over. They drive down again and turn it over again, and you have to wonder at that point, are they just can they not win this game? Do they? What's wrong with them? They go down the field one more time. Seven seconds to go. Rush hits Ben McCord for that touchdown. And I, th- I think it was a pretty cool moment, even on the road for for the Chippewas. What, you were there, Dom. T- tell us about like kind of what the energy was in that stadium and maybe on the Chippewa sideline. It was by far the most deflating moment that I've ever witnessed at the Carrier Dome, and I've been there for a lot of basketball games that the uh, the Orange should have won. So <laughs> um, it was it was definitely it was the defining moment of the game, and that's saying something based on Stanajek's hit in the first half. Um, at that point, I would say from the, from the minute that McCord comes down with that, CMU kicks the extra point, um, and the game is tied. To that point until, especially CMU started the overtime with the ball, I felt like they were going to score a touchdown. I mean, the common consensus, I think, among anybody watching that game was that CMU might win this game. It's very, it's more likely than not that they would have won that game. Um, but a great job by the SU defense, which we knew was going to be able to stop the run, and they did. They stuffed Spalding on third down, and CMU was forced to settle for a field goal and then outscored in overtime. So... Um, yeah. That moment was uh, was key, though, and just sort of shifting momentum for in CMU's favor. Definitely. I think it reminded a lot of people kind of almost of the Bahamas Bowl, maybe just a lot smaller of a scale with that last minute, ten, less than 10 seconds to go, scoring that touchdown. Unlike Enos, though, Bonamigo went for the extra point. You had to wonder, all right, who has the momentum? Obviously, CMU has just scored the touchdown to do it, but then Syracuse, many people thought, was the better team. Then CMU drives, I think it was, down to the one-yard line on second and goal. You had to think that CMU had it there, and they ended up not being able to punch it in with the running backs. But what did you think about the running backs? I, they came into the game. We really had our doubts about that that unit. Well, what we did, and our, what we didn't see against teams like Monmouth and Oklahoma State, we did see against Oklahoma State, and that's those guys getting in space. Look, Devon Spalding is a, is a fantastic runner. Same thing can be said for Martez Walker had he been playing. Um, Dre Hayes got some really quality carries in the Syracuse 31 game, yard so, game. So it's the kind of thing where I, I believe that CMU has the athleticism and the talent to move the ball down the field and to make guys miss, but it's just a matter of getting these guys in the open field. Now, I don't know if that comes with somewhat of an inexperienced offensive line. I know they've been banged up a little bit on, on that offensive line, so maybe the holes aren't exactly there. But I remember asking Martez Walker about that after the opener when they really struggled, and he said, no, it's on us. You know, we're just not hitting the holes. So, you know, maybe CMU becomes more of a screen play-oriented offense. Maybe they're trying to swing the ball around. Um, we know that with Cooper Rush, they're not going to run the option. So that that's not, a case. <laughs> that's not going to be the case anytime in the near future. Um, but hey, if it pads the Cooper stats and it protects him from getting manhandled in the backfield, you know, it, it's the kind of thing where they've got to establish some presence out of the backfield. And if they have to do that on a screenplay to Devon Spalding, so much the better. Yep. Looking at the Michigan State game this weekend, I think the line has been hovering about a 27 point underdog for the Chippewas. Obviously, I think it would be the biggest upset in, in program history, would you agree? I Absolutely, and it might be the biggest win by a Mac school in history, too. Yeah. I mean, to go down there and to to a team that really in almost, I would say, 90% of what they do 
they're just perfect. I mean, you think about they're, they're they've got the playmakers on offense, they've got the experience in the big games, uh, they got the best front seven in college football. I think nobody doubts that. It's just it's the kind of game where you're going to have to not only play a perfect game from CMU's perspective, you're going to have to hope that MSU makes some critical mistakes and do so more than once. I mean, this is not a game that you can walk in thinking, hey, you know, if we can just keep it close, keeping it close is going to be tough. Yeah. So for, from CMU's perspective, you got to start early. You got to make sure that you don't commit turnovers, penalties, all those things that we always talk about in every game. Everything is elevated when the stage is huge, especially in terms of proximity for this game. No doubt. And he, here's a stat for you, Dom. No MAC team has ever – the highest MAC – let's see, the highest ranked team a MAC school has ever beaten is the number six team in the nation. That That's was right. 10 or 15 years ago. And this weekend, actually, there's – the top out of the top six teams in the country, three of them are facing MAC teams. And we'll get to more of that in a little bit. But um, looking at this MSU team – um, I think there's a couple storylines on defense with, with Riley Bulla. Um, is, is he not going to play in the first half? He's going to miss the first half for a similar situation to Senegex for, a, uh, for an illegal hit. And he's, the Air Force game. he's MSU's leading tackler as a junior, correct? Correct. And then also there's some secondary things going on. Uh, tell, tell me a little bit more about yeah, that. They're, they're One of their main quarterbacks is out for the season. So, you know, MSU was having trouble, and they were a little bit thin in the secondary um, to start the year. So now – you know that things have getting have gotten more complicated for them. It really, if there is any favorable matchup for him, is for for I should say for CMU in this game, it's going to be Cooper Rush against that secondary. I mean, Cooper has proven that you know no matter the opponent, Power Five or FCS, he's going to be able to air the ball out, and he's not afraid to like I said to check down to Ben McCord, to Devon Spalding, whoever might be open. Mm. Um, I think a lot of it's going to fall on the wide receivers for the Chippewas, Jesse Kroll, Mark Chapman. Um, some of these other guys that are going to have to create their own space to give Cooper a chance to get the ball out of his hands because if he's swallowed up in the backfield, you know, at some point health becomes a concern for CMU too. Yeah, and I think if there's one place CMU might have the advantage is when CMU's passing the ball. If you look at their stats, they're second in the MAC and 14th in the country CMU is with 341 yards passing per game, which is pretty good. And then you look at MSU's defense um, passing a lot, yards allowed. They've allowed 274.3 per game, which is – 12th in the Big Ten and 107th in the country. And with Bulla out, that might even help even more, probably both running and passing. Cornerbacks being injured, it's, I think that's the one place Simi has to focus on, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I mean, you have to live and die on, on what you do well. And everyone knows that the team can pass the ball well. And Cooper's got the arm to really, really extend the play. So we'll see. You know, it, it's going to be... It has to start at the line of scrimmage, and I think that's where, honestly, CMU gets dominated, just based mm-hmm. on guys like Shelly Calhoun. And Bulla, once he gets back into that game, you know he's going to be just dying to get into the backfield and bring mm-hmm. Rush down. So um, it, it's going to need it's going to take an outstanding effort by the CMU offensive line uh, to keep the MSU defenders at bay. Yeah, we, we were there last week, and Syracuse had some pretty big linemen on oh, both sides. Huge. But CMU was still able to kind of get around them. Would you say um, – like, what makes this Spartan team so good? Because, I mean, you look at the running backs, they're two freshmen, or they're two leading running backs. We talked about their defense that, that may be on, on the brink a little bit. You don't know. I mean, obviously this is for a Big Ten school still and number two in the country. But, but what, what should CMU fear? Three main qualities you got to have to win football games. That's skill, speed, and experience. Mm-hmm. And Spartans have a bunch of each of them. So... These are things that CMU has pockets of and little subgroups, subcultures on their team. But MSU is a cohesive, um, uniform package. 
And that's what's so scary about them because you what, what you get from one group, you're going to get from the other. Yes, there are going to be inconsistencies. Yes, they're going to make mistakes. But the littler mistakes that they make might not hurt them as much as maybe little mistakes for CMU would. Yeah, and looking at the, the stats again, MSU hasn't been making those mistakes this year, and that's why they're 3-0 and they've beaten number 7 Oregon. They're first in the Big Ten in third down conversions. They're first in the Big Ten in fewest penalty yards per game and actually second in the country there and also first in the Big Ten for turnover margin with 1.7 uh, plus 1.7 whereas CMU is ranks pretty low they're 91st in the country with negative 0.06 or 0.67 um, you think the turnovers are going to be a key well, they always are and for CMU especially I mean we saw going into last year's um I'm sorry, last week's game um, with with Syracuse I mean SU was one of the better turnover margin teams in the nation and that ended up being pivotal i mean cooper rush threw an interception in the second half and the game looked like it could have been over but seemed you got it right back on a on a great interception by amari coleman, coleman yeah. so i mean it's just it's one of those things where if you can avoid turnovers you're going to give yourself a chance to at least convert on third down yep. um if you're going to turn the ball over a bunch so you don't stand a chance Something that really intrigues me is this time of possession thing. CMU really dominated that last year, which made sense with Thomas Rawls running the ball 40 times a game. But now CMU is, is still fifth in the country with 35 minutes, um, over 35 minutes, having the ball per game. How do they do that when they throw the ball as much as they do? Well, it's because they're among the MAC leaders in third down conversion. You stay on the field on third down, I mean, that's literally more time on the field. So it makes sense. Um, it's why ball possession and field possession is so important in college football because if you can control things, that helps control momentum, and that eventually leads to points, which, as we all know, is the object of the game, right? Yeah, that's true. And actually looking at the plays last week, I think CMU had somewhere in the 90-some plays, and then Syracuse had 40-something plays, wow. which that's, that's huge, and especially considering CMU ended up losing that game. So looking at MSU's opponents so far this year, they beat Western Michigan in Kalamazoo 37-24, they host Oregon, who was number seven in the nation at that time, and beat them 31-28. And then they beat Air Force last weekend in East Lansing, 35-21. What does this score have to be for CMU, um, for them, for it to be a success in your mind? Oh, wow. Well, I mean, outside of the obvious answer of winning the game, um, there are no moral victories in football. That's I mean, what we, Bono said this we, week. We heard, that, we heard him say that after the Oklahoma State game. We heard him say that after the tough loss to Syracuse. And frankly, he'll probably be saying it again because I don't think is going to come out and lay an egg. I really don't. Right. I think this is an inspired football team. I think it's a prideful football team. And I think it's one that believes it can win any game it steps out there. And I don't think the MSU game is any exception, especially with the, with the history between these two schools. Look, CMU's only beaten them, what, three times? And it's the kind of thing where – because of proximity, because of the hype, I think that works more on MSU than it does on CMU. Mm-hmm. MSU understands the Chippewas are upset-minded, but it's a matter of how they respond, and it's going to be a matter of, frankly, who performs better. Yeah, definitely. And the last time CMU was in East Lansing, they upset the Spartans. I think it was 2009. Yep. And I think they've they've really they've won three games, but they've only played like seven or so between MSU right. and CMU. So that's that's actually a lot for for a mag school to beat. A, a program like MSU, do you think the Spartans kind of go into this one thinking like, okay, we can't let this happen again? So few of those players were around for that last upset. So I'm not sure that maybe it works um, works on their minds. Maybe it does on fans. Maybe it does on donors, you know, coaches, players that have been around the pro- or people that have been around the program for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you got to focus more on what CMU is able to do this year if you're MSU. Yeah. Bonamigo says there's no moral victories, but honestly – 
Do you, do you believe that? I mean, he has to say that as the coach. But do you think if, if CMU loses by three points this weekend, that's got to be a moral victory? I, I don't think you'll ever get him to admit it. He might I not don't. admit it, but do you think it is? I'm not the football coach. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly what a moral victory is or not because I don't know what it takes to get an actual victory in football. It, it's it's the kind of thing where you, you play to win the game. I know it, I know it, I know it's a <laughs> you huge You play to cliche. win the game. It's a huge cliche, but it is it is so true. Nothing else. We are in a results-based business. So, or I should say they are in a results-based business. We cover a results-based business. And if you don't have results, then you have nothing. All right. Well, one thing um, you're going to see in the paper Thursday is some staff picks from myself, Dominic, and then three other um, staff writers. Um, we, I don't think we've gotten to them yet, but I'm going to put you on the spot, Dom. Go for it. What is your pick this weekend? What's the score and why? I think CMU is able to keep it somewhat close in the first half, but things get out of hand later. I'm going to say MSU 41, CMU 20. Okay. I was actually thinking 44-20 MSU. So, again, we were pretty close. I think Give them a field goal. We were pretty close last week, too. We were. I think uh, I think I had 31-27 and ended up being 30-27. I have not seen anyone predict CMU to win this game. If you've seen it, tweet us, send us an email, let yeah. me know, because I'd love to see it. Yeah, I think it's it's pretty tough to pick CMU, maybe against a spread, but, but otherwise. Not to win the game. Not no. to win the game. I think that would be, it'd just be monumental. Some of the players kind of hinted at that, but obviously they want to. They say it's just another game. They can't really go into it thinking that this is a different than any other game, can they? Have you talked to Ron Caluzzi? No, I haven't. CMU's punter said it would it would mean the world to him. It'd be something that he'd tell his grandkids about. So there you go. That's cool. Yeah, look for more of that stuff in, in uh, Thursday's paper. Let's transition a little bit to the MAC. Um, like I said earlier, the MAC schools play number one in the country, number two in the country, and number six in the country. So Western, it's Western playing Ohio State, who's number one, obviously CMU and MSU, number two. And then number six, which is Notre Dame, hosts UMass. Um, all those um, those game lines are predicted to be like 20 or 30 points. Who do you think out of those three has the best chance to complete the upset? Probably Western. Western over number one, Ohio State? I do, yeah. Why do you think that? Because Western is getting a lot better. And, again, you talk about the fact that MSU played them, and Western almost made that really kind of crazy at the end. So, um, look, Ohio State, I understand that they just got done with NIU, another Mac school that, you know, gave them a little bit of a spook. What, one-score game, right? Yeah. Um, But but I think what it it does, if you're Western Michigan and you're watching that game between NIU and, and Ohio State, you're thinking to yourself, we could do this if we make one less mistake. If we're able to maybe you know convert two or three more third downs, that, that's a game. So I think Western has the best shot. Yeah, and then also you got UMass and Notre Dame. That's kind of an interesting one. UMass people thought we're finally going to be good this year. They really have a good quarterback, but they're zero and two right now, and Notre Dame's three zero. Yeah, no, that's not that's not going to work out for UMass. You're not liking that one? No. Yep. So both of those games are three thirty kicks, where CMU uses the the noon kick. Looking around at other other games, um, some interesting ones in the MAC. Maybe Eastern has another chance to to put another win on the board. They they host Army. That could happen. You think so? Well, they played Ball State tough, and Ball State is you know on that same level of CMU of you know kind of underachieving based on what we've seen from them at different places. So it's very possible that mm-hmm. that could happen. Speaking of Ball State, they head to number seventeen Northwestern, another ranked opponent for Mac School. Yes, you know that's going to be Northwestern. You think so? <laughs> yeah. And then um, Toledo, they they've gotten some points in the rankings. They're still not up to number twenty-five yet. But they host Arkansas State after beating Arkansas a couple weeks ago. And you think that one's going to be close at all? I think Toledo can win that game, absolutely. Yeah, Arkansas State's nothing to, to show for, I don't think, so far. Um, looking around other places in the MAC, I think one other one that kind of interests um, CMU fans, at least, is Miami, Ohio, going to play Western Kentucky, who 
Western Kentucky's played CMU in bowl games the uh, past couple of years. Uh, that's kind of an interesting one with Brandon Doty. Yeah, Brandon Doughty, man. Doughty. He's, uh, he's something else, let me tell you. He's a gunslinger, very much like Cooper Rush, and I would love to see those two line up against each other again in one more bowl game. Yeah, that's definitely a good one. Ohio, Minnesota, Northern Illinois, Boston College, Purdue, Bowling Green. So There's some good matchups this week. A lot of uh, good teams that... Uh, MAC teams are playing in this final non-conference game. Bowling Green is going to massacre Purdue. Think so? I'm calling it right now. Because who did who did they beat? The Maryland was they it? They beat Maryland and Matt Johnson threw for like eight zillion yards. So yeah. look for that one. And both of those teams are one and two. So one of them will get to to 500, and one of them will be not looking good heading into the the conference slate. Which speaking of, CMU has NIU next week, and then Western the week after that. Do you, we thought both of those teams would be tough? Um, coming into the season do you still think that about both of those teams CMU could very easily be one in five yeah absolutely that's that's definitely true do you think out of these next three games who who's the most beatable team uh probably western western just based on the aspect of rivalry and if western plays like they did against georgia southern it's cmu no questions asked that's true now if they played like they did against michigan state that's going to be a tough one definitely so lots of stuff going around the mac this week um looking forward to the next couple weeks of conference play and um, before we sign off, just let me tell you about what we have going in the paper Thursday. We have a, a big preview story with um, stuff about history between CMU and MSU, um, a stats package sh- kind of showing their leaders and our leaders. Um, we also have some volleyball stuff. We have uh, Jordan Buter, who act- I heard serves her service 50 miles an hour or My quicker. My goodness. I know. Like, that would be that would be just crazy to, to have a volleyball coming at you 50 miles an hour. So there's a cool story from Greg Wycliffe about that. Uh, we have stuff about soccer, golf, all kinds of other stuff. So definitely check out Thursday's paper. Um, it'll be a good one. Some stuff from Dom, myself. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a good one. Anything else you'd like to add, Dominic? No, I think uh, there's one last sentiment. It's cause this is going to come straight from the head football coach here at CMU. I asked him you know, how he feels about people or students, namely, that, uh, that wear green and white on this campus and that plan to do so when they travel to East Lansing this weekend mm. to drink with their friends. Yes. And his sentiments are that if you're not wearing maroon and gold, then you're not really with us. So keep that in mind, folks, as, you, uh, as you're traveling to East Lansing this weekend. So if you're a CMU student but an MSU fan, who do you root for this week? This is a tough one. I think if you pay money to go to Central Michigan University, you should root for Central Michigan University. Yeah. I, an unbiased member of the media, <laughs> get to say that. But yeah. I, I could see how some people might be torn. Yeah, I mean, obviously who you root for has no bearing on what's going to happen in the game. I, I think most people th- are pretty sure it's going to be a, a state victory pretty handily. But if you're a CMU student but you're a die, diehard MSU fan, you're really in a predicament. If on the off chance that CMU wins this game, I just will be looking around to the crowd to watch everyone stripping their state gear off, and underneath it, you'll have your Chippewa yeah, logo. That'd be interesting because if MSU loses this weekend, what does that do for their season? It knocks them out of the college football playoff for sure. Yeah. Because you lost to Central Michigan. Oh yeah. man! And it would be CMU's biggest win in program history. So I guess which one are you rooting for? For MSU to keep going or CMU to? To just have that huge win, I guess it's going to be a predicament for some fans. Um, it'll be interesting to see. So we'll be there on, on Saturday kind of giving you a look. Um, hopefully we'll find some Chippewa fans there to talk to. Follow us on Periscope for some pregame show, halftime show, everything in between. Also, we'll have Snapchat going. We'll have Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all those different social media sites you can follow us on. We're, we're sending three reporters and two photographers, so we're going to get you everything we can um, covering that game. If you're there, send us pictures, send us tweets, whatever. We'll be happy to interact with you. And we're looking forward to to, uh, Saturday, and we hope you are too. Um, And that's about all here from Moore Hall. That's 
Dominic Mastrangelo. I'm Taylor DeSormo. Thank you very much. You can follow the latest from CM Life by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. Download our app and subscribe to CM Life podcast channel on iTunes. The print edition of CM Life is published Monday and Thursday and is distributed throughout campus and Mount Pleasant. Thank you for listening and supporting CM Life student media.